that's that's too good a song to interrupt there. You you could have finished the last part. Um, great. Some of us are here this morning. And wherever our brothers are, sisters, bless them. Uh, everybody has to be somewhere. Thought I'd start off with that flaming wisdom. Um, you know, in all of our lives, um, God, God uses people. And uh, when, when I came out of the, uh, uh, the walk, uh, Stevens, uh, I mean, Buddy was there, and he was, he was really a great friend. Probably if someone said, who is maybe a close friend to you, I, he would certainly be there. And yet, you know, he had limitations. I left an apostolic ministry who was extraordinarily gifted, but I saw his descent. And, and this is why God says, um, you know, <laughs> don't trust men whose breath is in their nostrils. And by now living together, we have seen strength, we have seen weakness uh, in ourselves and in others. But I hope one thing we have learned is that everybody, because they're called to an unquestioned wisdom and strength in God, are, are being dealt with and are problematical. Okay? Can we say that? Have you ever seen a perfect man? I haven't. I've seen men who acted perfectly and did the perfect thing. And on occasion, I stumbled into perfection with God's help. Okay? But the issue is, our destination is, we've been raised and we're complete and we just have to, to see it. But, um, you know, Spurgeon, some of the things he said and I heard were wonderful things. Uh, but, and, and you've heard me in the last, you know, few years talk about T. Austin Sparks. And I've seen his growth, and you can see it in what he said. But one of the things he has said that, that I keep repeating, and my wife, I'm sure she tires of it because I talk to her a little bit too. One of the things he, re, he repeats is the institutional glut, the, the, the furtive uh, fullness of information that the church has. And I looked around here today and, and my goodness, if someone asks you certain things about the Bible, there are people in here who could quote it, who, who have it. But all of us should be aware by now it's got to be inside. And, and we're not there yet. And the devil is, keeps reminding us and, you know, spewing his uh, powerful vomit that has uh, efficacy and almost uh, a cement to drive us into something that is not there. I looked around even this morning and there, 
they're individuals who are kind of just, they're zoned out. And I've said this over the years, I've been in meetings where a good chunk of the people had a pizza party coming and they were there before the message was really rolling. But, and I could list many men and sometimes not big men, but there were just something about their lives. I remember a guy when I was, you know, recovering from a dead drunk in college who had a warm towel and I, I, my head was over the toilet and I was sick from a night of, of me. And he stood behind me and I, I turned around and I was, you know how it is. Anybody here know that vomiting is no fun? And he took a warm towel and he wiped my face and he, and he held me <laughs> and I, my God, it was like I was being tattooed or carved inside by the love of God. And I didn't know it, dumber than a rock. I didn't go out and challenge mountains and do any preaching. I still zigzagged my way along. But when God brings men, it is something because he's going to use you. You are going to be used. And years ago, how many remember something about worms from the early days? Anybody, could I see a hand that remembers worms? One, two. Where, where is... Would somebody relieve uh, our mountain climber? He, he knows something about that. All right, I've, I've had five minutes of our service. Could, I want us to get quiet for a few minutes before we go and praise. Uh, for this reason, do not expect the praise leaders to do some grandiose thing that's gonna land on you. If you could ask God to awaken every lazy, couch potato, indifferent human part of you, because you're, you're saints of God. You belong to God. You're his property, and nobody's ever going to destroy you. I'm going to keep saying that until somebody really believes it. You can do a lot of damage to you, but no one can take you out of the arms of God. I'm going to read something. And when I ran into this man, I, was, was, I kind of backed in. I wasn't looking for him. But he, he was one of the greats, and he was not allowed to preach. I thought that was good. <laughs> and, and this is what he says about Christianity. And I, I would like, it would be a nice favor to me and, and to you, really, if you would take this and put it somewhere uh, in your homes, and uh, I, you know, you know, how many know that John Doofendock has a certain genius? Uh, I mean, he was kind of one of the big guys as far as establishing the pipeline and that big salary, you know, and uh, 
He, he was one of our pioneers here. He's an important guy. You know, he won't listen. I mean, he kind of kills himself over doing. He doesn't know how to slow down. And I asked him today if he could go upstairs. Did he know how to work a, uh, what was it, John? What? No, a cop here, John. It was a cop here. And I, sometimes these guys who are so brilliant, he said, maybe. You know, when you're looking for help from a friend and somebody that you know has the answer, and he says, maybe, you know, you knock on the door. I, I, I need help. They, my wife won't let me come home. I'm kicked out. Can I have some help? Maybe. <laughs> That's no answer. And God gets tired of our maybes, don't you think? I can pick on John, and we've done it. Oh, maybe I want to give my will fully to God. Anyway, William Law arrested me at a time, and I, and I, oh, he is so dangerous. And I loved it when David started talking about him, too. This was a long time ago. I, I've looked at his life and read his stuff. And it's intimidating, you know? Ever been around somebody who's really spiritual and you're standing there and you don't like them right off? You didn't do that. That's satanic. He wants to keep them away from you. Hear this. This is a definition of Christianity. And I want everybody here to have some idea of it. Please listen, and you won't get it today. And, uh, I, I looked for it early this morning, and it's still threatening. You know? Because you're, what have I said about you? Somebody tell me. Our process, what is it? What, what, what's going on with, with our going forward? Anybody? Growth. What? Growth. Growth. Yes, that's, that should be the result. It's conflict. We don't. It's painful. We have to die. It's war. And 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 today, I couldn't. I had to look at some of the news, and I thought, dear God, mothers with babies, thousands. You know, there may be. They talk about several million people leaving over there. Can we get quiet for a moment here? I want to read this from, from law, but and we're going to have there are two or three brothers that are ready here this morning. And let's listen. It's not going to be long. We don't need marathons, you know. We need time with God, though, don't we? Listen to this. A definition of Christianity, and I think it's a good one. And you won't get it right away. It'll take some time and pondering. This and this alone is Christianity. A universal holiness in every part of life. A heavenly wisdom in all our actions. Not conforming to the spirit and temper 
of the world, but turning all worldly enjoyments into means of piety and devotion to God. I need help right off, would you say? So, and I, I've printed enough of these, and really, uh, you can reprint them and put them small. Uh, you can, <laughs> I thought maybe of putting them on a, a card, because people say, what do you do? And <laughs> uh, but can, let's just bow our heads for a few minutes, and please think of the, the potential millions leaving their country, and, and what the president asked for them is that from 15-year-olds, they may have changed it, but from 15-year-olds uh, up to stay and fight. And uh, my God. Anyway, we bow before you, Father. know that you haven't left anyone without your angels, the, the mysterious aspect of, of, of a world that we can't see, but we know. We ask you to be with all the folks there in the war, be with us as we come before you again. Uh, help us uh, not to see this as like a old horse going to the barn, but that it's new every morning because your mercy is, and we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's gather.
at the uh, the risk of ever saying maybe again <laughs> in this group. Um, I would like to say something that actually is a no maybe. And we find that in the book of Psalms, Psalm 2, where it says, Why do the heathen range and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Ha, ha, ha. The Lord shall have them in derision. You know, I remember one time uh, coming, I, I had just come in from a flight down in the lower 48, and as I was, I got off the plane and people were loading up, and it was Halloween. And there were these people in these black dresses, and, and they had satanic stuff on them, and they were loading up in a car, to, a black like a hearse, to go somewhere and do something. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord come on me and say, send them into derision. Now, I don't know the outcome of that, but I know that prayer was from God. I had the anointing that it, it talks about right here. And now and then you get a shot of anointing, and that is not a maybe. Follow me. That's, that's not just a faint hope. That's a promise from God. And God sees all of this. I asked him one day, God, did you see that? And he said, silly? <laughs> what do you think? I see it all. And he was laughing. You ever heard God laugh? Well, he's laughing right now because you know what the idea of this is? To break the bands that hold us together. But I got a, a surprise for them. We're knit together. Amen? Just read Colossians 2. What does it say? We are knit together in Him. And that makes us the anointed. You follow me? In Him. And they rage against God's anointed. That's us. And God laughs with us. Let's laugh with Him. Amen? Praise God. That ain't no maybe. Good morning. Good morning. <coughs> I have some notes here somewhere. I appreciate uh, when God meets us. Sometimes you don't know how that's going to be. And... You know, I was thinking, you can't help but think about the, the things that are going on in the world right now with, you know, they had, they had a little bit, of, you know, in this, the things that are in Ukraine there, they had a little bit of warning that that was happening, you know, it was building up on the borders and 
saber rattling in the news. So they had a little bit of time to prepare and to figure out what they were going to do, you know, thinking that maybe invasion is imminent. And it's nice when we get those kind of warnings, but sometimes the battle shows up at our doorstep without much warning. And it's, it just comes out of nowhere. And in times like that, it's, it's so important that we have <coughs> taken time to prepare for the inevitable, or prepare for what we don't know is coming. And it's, it's a very, <coughs> it's something that is a day-by-day -day, uh, battle and a day-by-day -day preparation and engagement in order to be ready for those battles that show up that we'd have no warning about. And, you know, the battle does, does come, and it does catch us by surprise. And there's a scripture in Micah that has been, I've just been thinking about the last, probably the last week, Micah 7, verse 8, you won't turn there. But it says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. And I was thinking about, you know, we heard the, the word, the opening, whenever that was, Monday, I guess, about being making sure that we're in the right war. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when, when the war is so obvious, like it is for the Ukrainians right now, it's pretty easy to be focused and to direct your energy and direct your might and whatever you have to the right focal point. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, they, they might have a hard time distinguishing enemies there because if they're fighting in buildings and whatever is going on but but it's easy when there's a when there's a rallying point and something that's directly in front of you to be in the right war but when there's not the direct you know spotlighted war we don't want to find ourselves engaged in fighting each other or, or fighting ourselves or fighting things that don't matter we've got to be in the right war and I think the thing that uh, really will prepare us for that is making sure that we are giving room for the Spirit of God to work in our lives. And that's got to be a day-by-day a day -day thing, moment-by-moment, moment, that God, what do you have for me today? How am I going to get this ground prepared when that war shows up on my doorstep? Let me be ready for it. Wow, there's a lot of people missing this morning, huh? <laughs> We, we've talked a lot about growth. I'll keep it short. You don't have to be a captive audience too long. And I think, I think the thing that will hinder my growth the most is when I cease to get up when I fall. Because, you know, there's all the tools are there. You know, God's given his word, and we're hopefully doing the preparation of our soil and, and doing the things that we know to do. But if, if, I, don't, if I don't get up in the time when I fall, that's when I can't, I'm not going to grow. I've got I've to take responsibility, and when, when, the, when the test comes and the war comes, if I'm not prepared and I fall, I've got to be able to have the, the courage and the humility to take the grace that's given me and, and get back up and keep going. And that's, that's where I'm going to have the growth. That's, that's where growth comes. And I've been thinking about this for a little bit, but, you know, it's so easy these days to... Um, let, let each day go by and, you know, days turn into weeks and 
with so much stuff that we get busy with and, and that, that wants to cloud our purpose and our vision and take our time and whatever it is. But we really have to take the time to separate the things that are important and the things that are priorities and, and take time to, to deal with those things before God because it is so easy to let so much time slip by in, in things that are not important, things that are not the right war, things that just take my time and, and take me off course and really the enemies of my soul. You know, the time that whatever, I know we're all busy and we're all, we've got plenty of things to do, but we have to take the time to prepare this ground, prepare room for the spirit to work. And I was thinking, even from the very beginning, when, when Jesus came here, you know, they had, it's, it's prophesied all through scripture and there's plenty of foreshadowing and, you know, the Israelites were looking for their, their king to come and, and all that. But from the very beginning, when he showed up, I was thinking about this a little while ago, was there was no room for him. You know, here's, here's Mary. You know, she's, I don't know how far she traveled, but she'd come to the city to, you know, do whatever the custom was there. I don't know how many doors they knocked on, but the, script, the story in, in the scripture is pretty simple. You just throw the one line in there. There's no room for him in the inn. I thought, wow, isn't that amazing? And just a good foreshadowing of where we can be when the Spirit shows up, when that life, that new seed that wants to be born, wants to find a place in my heart. There's no room. It's, you know, I got so much, there's so much other stuff going on here in the inn. Yeah, there's just out back there in the stable, you know. There's, there's a little room out there. I'll give you, you know, the second best to out back there in the bleachers, you know. But that's not what he's looking for. And you think if if the people would have known that hey, this is this is the savior of the world that's about to be born here. I bet they would have made a little space. You know, you think about the advertising campaign that could have been come from that for your hotel chain, you know. You know, hey, Jesus was born right here. He was here. He's here. Put a sign on there and, you know, that's your claim to fame. But if you're not prepared, you don't know and you don't, you're not seeking and looking and making room actively for that seed. And, you know, I, my kids are going to hate me for saying this if they're paying attention. But I think afterwards, they, there's a great hotel chain that's kind of based on this is, the Marriott, you know, Marriott to have room somewhere. So, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Sorry, too early for that. But it's so easy after the fact is to recognize, yes, that was, that was the day of my visitation. But we don't want to be caught later thinking, oh man, I missed it in that place. You know, I should have reacted differently. I should have reached out or responded differently or, or, or given life to that person that I saw that needed. Or when, when God plants a seed in my heart, I don't want to, you know, later say, oh, I missed it right there. Yeah. But we have to actively have room in our hearts to accept the seed that shows up on our doorstep. Make sure there's room. Make sure that you're prepared and active and engaged in the war. Because we don't want to miss... And come back later, you know, if you think about the guys on the road to Emmaus there, they had those hours talking with Jesus, and they, and 
then after he was gone, they say, oh, how our hearts burned. You know, he was right here with us, and we missed it. We were, talk, we were too, too concerned about what had happened. Oh, he's, he's dead and gone, and, you know, we missed. But they, he was right there with them. We don't want to miss those times of our visitation because he's, he's there. He's available to us every day, all the time. And there were people, you know, I don't know. There's so many people that missed him in that time. But you think about the wise men that were, it says that they were in a far, a far off country. And somehow they were aware that the, that the Savior was going to be born because they, they had traveled a long ways to find him, you know, studying whatever, whatever happened, whatever circumstances got them to that place. They were paying attention and asking God, you know, what's going on here? And they had to come before he was born. I mean, it seems like if it's a long journey, they're, you know, riding their camels is what we see in the storybooks, you know. I don't know how far they came, but in order to arrive there and, and meet him, it had to be something that they were searching for. They were saying, God, what is your, what is the goal? What is, what does this mean? What does these signs mean? I want to be prepared and I want to meet him in that place. So it was something that they were, they were diligently preparing and seeking after. And that's why they were able to find him because, you know, there's so many people at the time missed what was going on and we don't want to miss those times of our visitation. Um, I was, there's a, a story that I won't read a lot of scripture this morning, but another, another thing that is, is written in, in, in all the gospels actually is uh, the story of the cleansing of the temple. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the account is after the triumphal entry, entered back into Jerusalem right before he was crucified. But the story in John happened right after the wedding in Canaan. So I don't know if there was two different times that he cleansed the temple or whatever it was, but it's a similar, a similar story. And I just want to look at it for a minute. We'll look, look at the account in Mark. This just goes along with making room and making yourself available. This is Mark 11. Verse 15. It says, they, they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And that, that line right there is not in any of the other accounts of this. And he taught them, saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves? And I was, I was kind of pondering on this story. I was like, What is the significance of this cleaning out the temple for me? And, I mean, obviously the comparisons are I've got to get all the, clear the cobwebs and the junk and the merchandising that's running through my head and make room for the Word of God because, you know, this temple is supposed to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking about it in our collective group here. And, you know, a lot's been said over the years about our worship and our you know, our, our togetherness. And, and, and sometimes, I mean, you got to take this the right way, but sometimes it seems like 
we have a hard time in worship here just getting off the ground. It's like, you know, we want to fly and we want to, we want to soar in the heavenlies, but sometimes there's, it, it almost seems like there's a, just it's kind of a, a, a damper on things. And I just, I've been looking at myself and it's like, man, what, you know, what can I do to break through? You know, I can't, I can't help you. I mean, I can, there's obviously, there's a, there's a, a synergy and a collective um, energy when we come together and we're, we're building each other up and we're, we're offering the praises. But unless I am making my sacrifice before I come here and doing, taking time to make room for the Lord to work in my heart, it's, it's, there's not going to be the, the, when we come into the temple, there's not going to be the, the energy and the, and the worship and the, and the meet, being ready to meet the Spirit. Like there, like there could be, and I was thinking about this. You know, it says that they came here and he kicked out the the people that sold doves and whatever they did. And I, I think to me, what I was thinking of is, you know, their tradition had become so ingrained that you know I sinned, so I'm going to go grab a dove and make my sacrifice at the temple. That now it was it was so easy to make that sacrifice. Like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go to the temple. On the way in the door, I'll grab a dove and go and, you know, give it to the priest and make my sacrifice. And, you know, that's it. Don't even have to worry about it. Just walk in the door and everything's there for me. But I think part of what this, what the, the, the meaning is here, you can't just expect to come in the temple and just grab a dove and go and make your sacrifice. You've got you've to be doing business with God. Do your merchandising outside. God, I'm, I'm giving up myself. I'm merchant the, the trade of, of my way for his way of my time for his time and a lot of that's going to happen it's got to happen outside the temple because we can't just show up and expect to grab our sacrifice on the way in the door and that's going to be enough it's like you got to do business at home you got to do business throughout the day so that when you come into the temple your ground is ready and prepared and ready for the seed and the word that's coming and you know, it's, it's so easy to find ourselves caught in that space of, well, I'm just going to show up and God's going to meet me. And that happens, you know, that happens a lot of times. And I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. When I'm, you know, in a, a time that I need the help of the Holy Spirit, I can show up and he can meet me. But we've got we've to take the time to make space, prepare the ground, make our sacrifice, and bring a willing heart in a, in a, a, a attitude of you know into into the temple that i'm going to meet the lord and so whatever that's worth um we've done a bunch of a bunch of work you know we're, we're talking about making room preparing room for the lord to meet you the last couple of years at Greeley, we've done uh, a bunch of remodel work and it's you know a lot of a lot of repetitive rep repetitive things that we deal with you know, different buildings, same job sort of stuff. But the one thing that we've ran into a lot is asbestos abatement. And the protocol for dealing with that, and, and most of it is, well, some of it is really dangerous. Like there's some pipe insulation and stuff that's really friable, which means it can be, you know, into the air and move around and get sucked into your lungs. But a lot of it is, is floor tile that's, 
completely harmless. I mean, you'd, ha you'd have to take the stuff and pile it up and beat it with a hammer and stick your face right down there and try to hurt yourself with asbestos. But it's, it's, so, it's such a highly regulated material that there is so much protocol to go through getting rid of this stuff. And, you know, they're actively trying to get it out of all the buildings and stuff. And, you know, major side note, but back in the 40s or 50s or whatever, they thought asbestos was such a great product. And they're putting it into everything. And uh, it just goes to show you, I'll shut this off so I don't get any more disturbances. Um, the, we've heard a lot about follow the science, you know? It seems, it seems to me the science has a way of changing because back when that stuff was for the greatest thing since your shirt pocket, you know, the science said put it in everything and they've got it in their, it's in their insulation, in their glues, in their, you know, they probably put it in the cookies to hold them together because it was such a great binder. But the science back then said, hey, this is a fantastic product. Right. Now the science is saying this stuff is dead dangerous. You know, we find out things as we go along. I had two or three of my uncles died from complications of asbestos in their lungs. You know, once that stuff gets in there, it doesn't come out. And they spent the last years of their life on carrying around an oxygen tank and a mask. And so they could, you know, it's bad stuff. But the stuff we're dealing with is pretty, pretty inert. So the last thing we did was there's a space, I, th I think it's about the size of from this wall to just past those posts, that second Rona post. So this the square footage about this big right here, that it was, it was $80,000 $85, to get rid of that. Because basically they come in, the tile comes up really easy and they spend a little time scraping the glue off the floor with you know, machines and a solvent that softens the glue. But there's so much, all the protocol, they've got people, air monitors that they go every, so many times a day, they've got to take an air sample and go back and look on the microscope to make sure that these microscopic little particles aren't so, they can't be more than, you know, whatever it is, like two, per mil, two parts per million or something like that. But they have to ensure that the levels are safe for their workers. And you can't just pull it up and dump in the landfill. They work in a hazmat suit and a mask on and they're scraping and the trash has to be double bagged and taken to a special part in the landfill. But there's so much protocol and so much expense and time and regulation that goes into clearing out this stuff, making room for the new material. And they don't want it anywhere. They want it gone out of their building. And it's so much, it's very much like it used to be, you know, when, when you wanted to get cleaned up or get rid of the garbage, all the protocol and all the regulation you had to go through, bring your dove and bring your this and your that and come before the Lord. And, you know, maybe if it's the right day, he's going to meet you. But man, we have such a greater provision now that when it's time to get cleaned up, when it's time to, to bring my offering to say, Lord, how do you look at this? How are you going to, how do you, how can you help me deal with this issue in my life? Is it, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We don't have to go through all that regulation and all that protocol and all that um, expense. I just have to make myself available because he is at work all the time. In his, his, his desire is for me to make it. And that is such a freeing and encouraging thing when we get a hold of that. His desire is for me. He's constantly making intercession for me. He wants me to make it. 
It says he'll never leave me or forsake me. He's there. From the moment you turn your heart, he's there. He's going to meet you. And that's, that's the God that we serve. That's the provision that we have to come boldly to the throne of grace. But I have to, I have to, make, I have to make room in my heart. Don't, don't miss the day of your visitation. Make room so that when, when he shows up, you're ready to meet him. <clears throat> I want to look at one last thing here. It's, maybe you recognize where this might lead, but let's look over in uh, Mark 4. Now, the parable of the sower is in a lot of, a lot of places, too. very familiar with these stories and these parables so it's hard not to uh, it's hard not to turn them off sometimes I think when we talk about them again but this is a very simple message this morning I think sometimes you know we just we need to hear some basic stuff again I do and I'm encouraged by it sometimes and but we've got to make room we've got to be able to clear out the cobwebs and the busyness and the stuff that wants to take our attention and Make room for the Spirit of God. So this is uh, well, this is Mark four, verse three. It says, "Behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away." Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the, the, uh, the account in Luke says at that point, it says he cried out saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We have a lot of word, a lot of opportunity that God tries to put stuff in our heart. And if we don't have ears to hear and our ground's not prepared, we can miss it. And here, and it goes through, and we'll keep reading here. It says, verse 10, When he was alone, they that were about with the twelve asked him the parable, and he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And that line right there, if you put yourself into that space, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of God. You know, I think sometimes you know, I deal with, you know, people and it's like Fabian said, there's, there's heathens everywhere you go. And it's like they don't have the first clue about what we're about or what we're talking about or anything. It's like I'm, I'm so privileged to be given the gift of being given the vision unto you. Unto you has been given to know the mysteries of God. I've got to take advantage of that and make that real in my heart. God, what do you speak? What is the mystery that you want to hear? What is what do you want? What do you want to talk to me moment by moment, day by day? Because you've you're gonna give me the you're gonna give me the word, but also if I'm seeking you, you're gonna give me the understanding so that I can take root in my heart and do something and, and be, become a part of me. Then seeing that that seeing verse twelve, that seeing they may not see, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing that they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins be forgiven them. 
And he said, Know ye not the parable? The sower sows the word, and those by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and taketh away the word that is sown in their hearts. And that can be any, any one of us on any given day. I mean, you know, the word is come and sit in church or wherever you get the word and it's like it witnesses to you but you go away and forget it and it's just like you can't even remember it's like man there's something really great that i i should have written it down or why can't I? It's, it's like it's gone and it's, it's a terrible thing and then there's others that, that you know the word gets on the thorns and the cares of the world and it's and there's this one line here the stony ground you've got no root verse 19 <clears throat> It says in verse 18, those that were sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And that line there, the lusts of other things entering in, is so all-encompassing and so broad that you can put a lot of things underneath that heading whatever it is that wants to take your time and take your focus and take your energy and take your take your devotion take your whatever it is the lust of anything just the cares of the world what i got going on it's just there's so many things that want to come and snatch that word out no matter how it's the same seed in all these all these areas but whatever it is that wants to come and just make it of no significance no root no no space in my heart to take root and to grow. We've got to make room. We've got to open the door. God, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me moment by moment? Um, you know, probably most of us don't read, well, I won't say most. A lot of the kids, we'll say 18 and under, don't really remember what we used to go through getting yeah. all these fields out here ready. You know, when we first came here, this is for the kids, you can think about it. Do you remember Madison? You don't remember? This was all woods up here, you know, obviously, and cleared it out, and, you know, there was berms around here, and, there were, you know, probably a third of the ground was taken up with berms that you push all the trees into these windrows, and then you, you grow stuff in between them. But all the work it took to clear this ground, I mean, we had... You know, first the dozer comes in and pushes everything up and the root rake and, you know, we've had issues with root rakes on barges and things like that. But, but getting all the stuff out of the way so that you can have actual good dirt to work with. And, you know, we'd have, we'd have parties at night with, after dinner, you know, the whole farm would go up there and pull a tractor around with a wagon and throw all the sticks on there, get all the sticks on there and take them off and burn them. And then they'd till it up a little bit more and then we go and pick the rocks out and we'd be picking rocks and throwing them on the thing and dragging them away and then after that though you 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 mix it all up and plow it and they're still not ready then you got to add the, uh, the, the 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 dung we'll call it and that's got to be mixed in there and fertilized and then you add the seed and watering and caring for it there's a lot of work that goes into preparing the ground and we have all the time we should have our ground being prepared you know when the war comes to us when when the dung you know comes our way uh, whether it's mine or yours and we see both on a daily basis you know the things that 
you know, incorporate that, mix it in. It's there for a reason. It's there to, to uh, prepare the soil, to deal with this. God, how do you want me to view this? How do you want me to look at this situation? But if my ground has to be prepared. God, take out the roots and the stumps and the things that are going to hinder that growth and add to me the things and aerate the soil and add the fertilizer that needs to come my way so that when my moment of visitation comes, I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to be willing and have space in my heart that's prepared for the word for this that's coming. So I think I'm going to leave us with that. Let's make sure that we don't miss the day, the moment, the hour of my visitation because we have such, we're such privileged people that God is working with us in desiring that we make it, desiring that we, we have room in our heart for him, and he's doing his part of it. We have to make sure that we're prepared in doing our part as well. Amen. Thank you. Uh, I, I couldn't sit still. I thought, well, let me just say this. When you're talking claim, we're talking growth. And I want, I want, I'm sitting here thinking, um, I thought about it because someone said, well, maybe we should cancel the service. Most people are going to be gone. I didn't know. And I don't, accountability is something I don't, there are people who live in houses didn't even know where their folks went. And I, I know for sure that uh, Greenleaf is on a, um, I think the 46th anniversary. Good, that's wonderful. I don't know about anything else, but please be thankful for you, for you this morning because you heard clean, okay? You won't be resurrected. I will not be resurrected unless clean is there. And we've talked about this, and I'm gonna give you three scriptures, and please, some of you write them down if you care. And I can't, you know, if I leaped and hollered and everything, I love the conversational delivery and the silence that came over the crowd uh, today because this was very vital to hear. Amen. And, and I also I almost got up when you were talking about the, uh, uh, what is the uh, asbestos. Because every day when I'm in Atlanta, they say, they they put these attorneys out and said, if you have this trouble, you call 763676 and we'll take care of you. They're still suing uh, today. And I don't know how many years back, it'd be an interesting thing. Uh, write this little thing down and use it again sometime. You must understand this or you will keep trying. Okay. Um, here it is. <laughs> um, he came into his own, and his own what? But to all those that had received them, what? He gave power. So you are given power to what? Become sons. And I am too. Now, that's a done deal. If you're born again, that's finished. And the, and the scripture is pretty clear. Uh, it, it says, um, uh, where is it? Uh, oh, 
here it is. I wrote this down. Uh, you are complete in Christ. Well, you and I know, I got up yesterday and I went here and I went there and I came to the table and I, my heart was thinking about what I can't do in, in, uh, in Ukraine. And I was rude to, uh, to my wife and I guess uh, Nanette. They were talking about being cold in New Hampshire and I thought, my God. And I, I had a reaction and I just want to tell you that God is continually tailing you with the Spirit of God to get what uh, our brother is talking about. Everything out of you. Everything out of me. Uh, I was up praying. I was in a wonderful place with God. God doesn't care. He wants it all to go. You understand? He doesn't say, you've been such a nice boy today, Bill, that you can, you can have your reactions. To do that, he will, he will come after you today, but you've got to ask him. And I, this is well done. I don't want to beat this thing because it was very well stated and conclusive. But I, I am going to say this for you. Please hear this. It's hard to understand. The natural man cannot understand the mystery of God. It has to be something that you get on your face and ask God about. Of his fullness, we have all what? Received. Who's received it? Somebody, Don, who's received it? Why would they say all? John? Uh, John said it. Why would he say it? In the Gospel of John, it was said, Don, why would he said, of its fullness, we've all received? Because if we receive Christ, then we have the fullness of Christ within us available to us. Whatever he wants us to do, whatever yeah. he leads us, we can do that. Exactly. I'm still on the move. God will eventually get a hold of me in a greater measure, and I'm asking him to do it now. That's why I was upset in the morning. He wants every aspect of my temperament to be where he wants it, not where I am. And he doesn't send me to hell because I'm acting up or stupid. You know. Well, this is where it dovetails in with what they Speak up a little louder. This is where it dovetails in with what Nate was talking about, because we have to prepare ourselves to be able to recognize that. You have a perfect seed. You can't lose. God will get rid of the rocks in time. But if you want to move, you better be thinking about now. Understand? And, and me too, all of us. I'm, I'm not talking down to you. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, what, when I saw the Spirit of the Lord fall in this place, of, you know, for a few minutes this morning. That's good. Uh, of his fullness, you have it. You have everything, you know, and it says, uh, what, what is, there's another scripture. You can go through there. Go through and get these. I'm not there. He's telling me I'm on my way. 
when he judges me. That's why I need to be thankful for the cleaning. Sure. Yeah. Are we together? Yeah. All right. God bless you. Have a good day. Uh, <laughs> it, it won't be good. <laughs> the good as good as it could be. Don't devaluate. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, I'm no good, I'm no good. It's true. You're not. You won't be. But God says you will be. You won't be on your own. Uh, I've got a line. Pray for me because I've got to do a lot of zooming. And I've got a line called Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Uh, <laughs> I found out I'm the ugliest of all. Uh, and, and it's kind of this way, folks. The more you think about you, the more slippage and falling there is. Amen. Close for us, uh, would you, Jeff? Nice and loud. You have a thundering voice that we want to hear. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>